Hi there, friends, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Amelie Andreas, and today we'll be going on a hike with the amazing Lauren Mondrowski through the underappreciated queer history that was made in America's great outdoors. Grab your backpack and trail mix and let's get amongst it. I'm Lauren Mondrowski. I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm uh, a history major at Reed, or I was a history major at Reed, uh, which is kind of crazy. And uh, my thesis is called Out on the Trail, Queer Representations of Wilderness, Morality, and Fantasy from 1950 to 1979. That sounds very cool. And as someone who is queer and likes hiking, I am already totally on board with this thesis. Um, but I wonder if you could tell me as someone who, you know, maybe doesn't see the, uh, natural innate value of queer people being outside, um, what like makes this important? Oh, that, that's a really good question. So, um, when I started out with this thesis, I came from a background of, uh, learning about environmental history at Reed and how important the wilderness has been, or the idea of the wilderness has been to constructing American identities and also how that these ideas of wilderness and recreation and the outdoors have been used to exclude people, people like women, people like uh, people of color and also queer people. And so I wanted to change the, or not change the nar- narrative, but expand the narrative to include queer people who like throughout history have been participants in the outdoors. It's just, you know, history, um, like histories, especially written by um, like dominant groups, like have excluded queer people from these narratives. So the main, like what I wanted to explore that was the most important was how queer individuals used nature and wilderness to explore and celebrate their identities and find freedom, um, during a watershed moment in queer history. And I just like, the main thing that I wanted to do was like reclaim the histories of mostly like of queer individuals and queer groups. So you're kind of like taking this aspect of history, queer people being out in the wilderness, and you're kind of putting it back into the like public realm and and maybe writing down these stories that um, haven't been explored so often. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And it's important to know that um, during the 50s, 60s, and 70s, like hiking as a sport was extremely popular like that's when hiking became really really popular in the United States for a lot of different reasons but a lot of the reasons were like figuring out what it meant to be an American and like going out to nature and like exploring asserting masculinity or femininity and queer individuals just like you know straight people like did the same things and they did it like they also like did different things as well and so like it was really interesting to me how both like these watershed moments in queer history, you know, like the fifties, sixties, seventies, six, 1969 is Stonewall. Mm-hmm. And also like, this is the same time in which people, Americans from like all segments of the population are going outdoors to find meaning and have fun. And also, you know, I don't know, explore these like really deep parts of themselves in, in nature. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, do you think you could give a little bit more of that historical context for that time period that you're looking at, both in regards to like, like these watershed moments of of queer history and also 
the the wider context of like America and the outdoors just for people who may not like know so much about what was going on at that time? Yeah, I would absolutely love to. <laughs> You're just like a history major, like get me going. <laughs> like, like, oh, you want to know everything? I can give you everything. Uh, yeah, totally. So as for queer history, um, after uh, World War II was like a really important like moment for queer history because it allowed, in America at least, because mm. um, World War II allowed like all sorts of people from, you know, small towns and big cities to kind of congregate in one place, like, you know, in like San Francisco and New York and like all of these military bases, a lot of uh, like men and women who were queer, like were able to like explore their identities and meet other queer people. So after World War II, as a result of this, the military started to become really concerned with like excluding people who were queer from like serving in the military which meant coming up with methods of like screening uh people who were gay or lesbian like out of you know out of service so like these like psychological um basis of Mm. like oh you can't serve in the military because being gay is like psychologically like a bad thing like Mm. totally science yeah <laughs> yeah it's science like they they came yeah they came up with like a a science like scare quotes scientific method of like excluding um people who like participated in queer like behavior and queer like expression and so the consequences of this is that queer people are getting kicked out of the military and also this intensifies in the 1950s with the cold war and the Red Scare, Mm. because now, like, Americans are really afraid of communists, and people are spinning queer individuals to be, like, another danger Mm -hmm. in addition to communists. Like, it's a lot of, like, moral, it's a lot of moral panic going on in the 1950s because of how, like, how destabilizing World War II was, like, just, you know, socially, but also... Gotta find someone to blame. Exactly. So um, as a result, like alongside the Red Scare, there's the Lavender Scare, which Mm. is where queer people in like federal positions of power, state positions of power, like in the military were being ousted for their jobs, like for basically just for being queer. Mm. And, you know, this this bled into like all facets of society. Like a lot of historians say that the 1950s were like the most homophobic period in American history just because of how like how how terrible it was because it came from the state like mm. the state levels of homophobic violence and like homophobic like rhetoric were so high in the 1950s which this is all to lead us into the 1950s queer people begin to see themselves as like a marginalized group and like as a minority mm. and this isn't just this doesn't just come out of thin air like it's like important to acknowledge that like queer activism really like takes a lot of examples from the black civil rights movement and so like the example of the black civil rights movement led a lot of queer groups uh to like begin to organize and this is when we see like the like the Madagene society and the daughters of Belitis, which are the, a couple of the few like the groups that began to like organize for like queer um like for gay rights basically and then throughout the 60s and 70s like these groups like grow and change and instead of being about like you know conforming to American society that's what's kind of seen in the 50s and 60s like 
after Stonewall, especially, which that's mm-hmm. when a whole bunch of um, like, yeah, I mean, a lot of people know about Stonewall or uh, at the Stonewall Inn, like gay men and drag queens, like, you know, were throwing bricks and bottles at the cops because they were busting the the inn. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> who threw this first brick at Stonewall? Who knows? But <laughs> that was a moment because it's like, like after that moment, people like queer people really began to organize the idea around the idea of liberation, which meant Mm. acknowledging that like the ideas of sexuality, like homosexuality versus heterosexuality, like gender were all, all of these like constructs that were really keeping. Yeah. They were just keeping everybody in society like oppressed and miserable. So that's like basically a very condensed, the cliff notes. (laughs) That's like the cliff notes version of one like aspect one like I feel like the major aspects of what queer history looked at like during this time and I'm sorry that took so long to explain no that is great it's it's always awesome to have some extra context so how did you first get interested in um like the wilderness and and queer kind of history or history in general like take us back to the first moment that you're like "Mm, this is when I when I knew that uh one day I would maybe be writing a thesis about, about queers in the wilderness. Totally. I, this all began, I think freshman year, I took a course, uh, intro and, uh, intro to environmental history with Josh Howe, who Mm. would later become my advisor. And I just really love working with primary sources and really like digging into, um, like, I just really loved primary sources. I wrote like a paper about like what was the meaning behind like read students responses to like the bridges being built and like what is the meaning of like water you know like really like how did people envision their worlds and what how did what how did people make meaning out of their worlds and I love to hike and go outdoors like I've always that's just always been like a really important part of my life like I wrote my college essays about hiking I was a part of uh, a club that would in high school that would go hiking in the Sierras. And I had recently come out in 2019 as a lesbian. I I was really struggling, I think as many people do when they come out for the first time. (laughs) What I wanted, (laughs) what I really wanted desperately Mm -hmm. was like to see representation of like my identity and also like, you know, like my friend's identities and in the outdoors, which I think there's been a lot of progress recently to facilitate that, but what I I remember just like very vividly being a junior and like working on my JSEM, which was about something totally different and being like, actually, when I write my thesis, I want to write about something that like I like want to see in the world, which is representation of queer people in the outdoors. So that's like basically how it all shook out. And my thesis advisor was just like, more than happy to help me make it a reality, which I really appreciated because it turns out it's quite challenging to find sources for all of this stuff. So what did your kind of process look like day to day? You mentioned you were probably working with like a lot of primary resources. There might've been some challenges and um, trying to like access resources about my, uh, like the, this marginalized group. What did it, what did your day to day look like? I guess I will say that I I was lucky to have a thesis topic that was both not written about at all, but also mm. like written about in a lot of like different um, 
like disparate other other ways and in other disciplines because mm. nobody had ever I mean I'm sure maybe somebody has mm. but like it's it was at least to my knowledge it's been like nobody's ever written about like specifically like queer hikers and like queer recreation wow that's awesome yeah so but a lot of people have written about like recreation and a lot of people have written about like queer environmentalism and Mm. like ecofeminism and all of these other things so a lot of my process at least for secondary like secondary research was like finding a lot of different resources from a lot of different disciplines whether that was from like queer um like queer studies or like environmental studies and like doing a lot of um putting these things in conversation with one another and then I'd say that's like first semester like half of the time I spent researching my thesis was doing stuff like that and then half of the time was like looking for um possibilities of like possible places to find primary sources which was like like as you've acknowledged, it's like already hard to find the resources to tell the stories of communities that have been marginalized through history. On top of it, it's like it was during COVID, so it's like I couldn't travel to oh God. Yeah, it's like I couldn't. Like most of my thesis takes place in Los Angeles and in San Francisco. Like mm. I decided that would be like a good place to center my thesis around that those locations, and in a normal year, that would be so easy to just secure a grant to go and travel and spend Mm -hmm. like, you know, two or three days in either of those cities and find resources. But everything had to take place online, which meant like a lot of digging. And that was, I mean, it was just like a lot, a lot of (laughs) staring at my computer, looking for newspapers Mm -hmm. that had been digitized. And it was, it was difficult, but it was also, I think like this, this whole situation with COVID and not being able to find like the perfect source. Like I don't, they talk about in like advising a history thesis is like, there's not really going to be a, like a perfect source Mm. because it's, I don't know. Like, it's just like, there's it's just not going to be out there. Like you have to like, kind of use your own like skills as a historian to like figure out like what the sources that you have mean and I think Mm. that that really gave me an opportunity to get creative and so like I find in my first chapter I use these short stories written in um this publication called one magazine which was like the magazine of the group one incorporated which was like an early gay rights group or Mm. uh and I like looked at short stories about men going out into the wilderness and find like these like really cute like meet cute romance stories and I do like a history like I did like a history literature approach which I had never really done before at my during my time Mm. at Reed as a history major to like see how like these stories what they told us what they tell us about what like gay men thought about the wilderness and then in my second chapter I look at personal ads which is like people like being like I have a like I'm looking for a house you know like I'm looking for an apartment or I'm like you know, I'm looking to have Mm. sex, like, especially like in the sixties, like with the sexual like revolution and like Mm -hmm. a little more freedom and, (laughs) you know, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of these ads were, um, like all types of people looking for different services, different like things. And some of them like, you know, were looking for like hiking partners and people to go out in the wilderness with. So I like found these ads and I like, 
you know, that might've not been something that, and they were a really awesome source. And I might've not been able to find that in like a normal year because I would have been looking for something else. And then like my third chapter, I like look at like reviews of gay porn, oh, wow. like, these <laughs> lesbian spiritual That's texts. Cool. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah. And it's like these things that I don't think that like when I had started my thesis, I would have thought that I'd be looking at, but like when you only have like a couple of things to look at, you get like really creative about what, um, like what counts as like a source. Yeah. No, that's really awesome. It totally makes me think of like, you know, some, some history student in like 50 years looking at like my Craigslist ads or something to write their thesis. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You never know what stuff you're leaving in the world is (laughs) going to fall into the hands of a history student. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, so what ended up being the outcome of your project? Um, yeah, like, like what's kind of like the significance of your, your findings in this like wider context of queer or wilderness history? I, I just like want to say that like, when I was like writing my conclusion to this thesis, mm-hmm. I was crying. Oh. I, I, I think this question of like the significance of my thesis really, I didn't really understand it until like later Mm. until I had like been finishing the conclusion because what I think I learned from it is that um even though like queer people have been excluded from like the outdoors because of ideas about masculinity and ideas about like what it means like you know going outdoors means being a man and like Mm. you know gay like men are sometimes like looked at as like effeminate or like you know urban like I think queer people throughout history have been like relegated mm. to just like urban environments, you know, like we think about, um, which is like, which is like totally, I mean, there's a lot of historians, like great history out there about like why queer people like are associated with cities. And it's yeah. because like cities allow, you know, these, these formation, like the formation of like these really strong communities, like, you know, Greenwich village and the Castro and like, and it's really important that we acknowledge that like queer people in cities and yeah. like, the the association with queerness in cities is like, you know, really important for the history, like for queer history. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there are like, like stories of like queer people in rural areas and there's stories of queer people like that don't line up with like the dominant narratives of like what it means to be queer throughout history. And so I think like, I think my thesis is, like, I just really, like, the outcome was is that I, f- I feel like I wanted to, like, reclaim and, like, expand the narrative of, like, what it meant to be, like, queer throughout history and um, how, like, these these people throughout history, like, you know, in the same way that like straight people did like explored their identities and found relationships they you know they were escaping from the things that were like making life difficult mm-hmm. which was like you know homophobia and it you know not only am i like i'm like i felt like this thesis like was adding to queer history it was also adding to like environmental history like it's really important how like who we are in like including when we're talking about like conservation and like, you know, environmentalism Mm. and like climate change and like a lot of things that are going on in environmental history right now is like, you know, like how, how, 
have Mm -hmm. like women been excluded from environmental histories and how have like, you know, how have black people been excluded from environmental histories and learning about those histories can tell, like, tell us how to like work at including more voices, you know, Mm -hmm. how have indigenous people been excluded? How have like queer people been excluded? And that way, when we like face these challenges around conservation, around environmental justice and climate change like how do we like fold those people back into like include them like at the table when making these decisions and then like another really big outcome of my thesis is is that I think it it validates the work of queer people in the outdoors today like you know like myself like you Mm -hmm. like I think like you know then there's people like like I don't know if you follow the Instagram like Patagonia like when when Wiley is the um like his drag persona is Patagonia. And like, I just like, I love, like, I love her. She's like, and I, I just think like this Mm -hmm. kind of story validates that this isn't like a new thing. Like queer people have always been in the outdoors and they've always been using the outdoors to like explore what it means to be gay. Like what like gender means, like all of these things that are important. And yeah. So, and I like, I think lastly, I think that, I mean, for me personally, like, it was really, 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 like, beautiful to, like, see all of these, like, individuals that had, like, Mm -hmm. never been, like, known to history, these, like, writers of these stories, and these, like, people who are just placing a personal ad, and, like, these individuals that are just, like, you know, starting these hiking groups in the 70s, it's, like, wow, these are all just, like, real people, and they're, like, a part of history, and I just like I think it was really valuable to go back and like acknowledge their role in history and like also situate them as like real people in history because it's just like so it's so beautiful to actually like have queer history and like actually know that like there are people in the past that you know are we're just like going through the same problems that going through the yeah. same problems. Exactly. <laughs> they're going through the same problems and they're doing like amazing things. Yeah. That was like, wow. I just, you just, yeah, I was, it was very, I think this thesis was very personal to me. And I, I was just like, I think at the end, I think it was such a, sometimes like thesis is such a struggle. And mm-hmm. I think that especially with COVID and being stuck at home the entire time and like, you know, sometimes not having the motivation to thesis. Mm-hmm. It was like at the end, I was like, "Wow, like I'm really glad that I did this because, like, I think that I've done something like really worthwhile." Yeah, it's crazy how much like how like personally and emotionally meaningful having historical precedent can be. How now you've kind of got this, you know, done and dusted, everything submitted, and and we're kind of leaving this little academia bubble to go back to the real world for a moment. What, like, uh, what are your plans for this summer and, and next year? And is any of that kind of related to your thesis? Yeah. The, what I put in my thesis acknowledgements is that, uh, the first thing, um, like that I wanted to do was go for a hike, like mm-hmm. stop intellectualizing <laughs> it, which is something that happens at my, my dear, uh, alma mater Reed college. Uh, yes. that, uh, I think I spent a lot of time thinking about hiking and not enough time like actually going outdoors. So definitely a lot of spending time in the outdoors is is on the table for this summer. I am moving to Los Angeles in August um, and 
which uh, I'm really excited for because I I'm open to the possibility of having a job where I get to be in the outdoors. I like I think like throughout read my thing that I did outside of like class was like hiking and writing. Like I was uh, one of the editors of the Grail, which is the like student magazine at read and so I really my goal is to like be able to pursue both of those passions in Los Angeles um like writing and being in the, in the outdoors so that is what I'm hoping to do but honestly I'm just really excited to just like do kind of anything <laughs> it was a stressful <laughs> year so yeah, I'm no kidding you know like I I'm open to a lot of possibilities, but I definitely think that like being in the outdoors and like, well, actually, let me go back and say that I ideally like, I would love to be able to continue like the work that I've done in my thesis and like actually like in real life, like I, it would be really awesome to join one of the many like queer outdoor organizations that like take people outdoors and like do the community building outdoors especially for like under-resourced like queer communities um and like I have I'm hoping sometime next year to go on like a a a leadership trip with um a leader like an outdoor leadership trip um with with Knowles which is one of the the groups that um one of the outdoor yeah, like they were running my category so <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go no strip perfect yeah i'm doing the um hopefully doing the lgbtq uh backpacking trip with Knowles. that's, Ooh, that's one of the cool. things that i have yeah that i have planned for next next year at some point so but yeah in short i don't know what i'm going to be doing but i have a couple of ideas so yeah and whatever it is it's going to be cool yeah thank you <laughs> Yeah, and it's awesome as well that you were thesising about, you were saying before, like the San Francisco, LA area, and now you're going to be there. Yeah. Just to kind of finish off the interview, do you have any uh, advice from a graduated senior to, you know, someone, maybe like uh, someone who's uh, interested in queer theory and getting into hiking, or maybe some advice for someone who's just starting off their thesis? Yeah, I would say whether you're like a, a freshman sophomore if you're a thesising senior about to start I would say that no matter what like always don't be afraid to research and write about what interests you because I think that professors at Reed are really there to support you and support your interests like I I just I think that all throughout my time at Reed I've been able to learn about so many cool things and all of my professors have been so excited to like they've been so excited for me to just like go after what I wanted to go after. So definitely, I think like with this thesis, I definitely was so grateful for my thesis advisor because he just, you know, barreled down that path with me, you know, went on that trail mm. with me, so to speak. So <laughs> I, I would say that one of like the awesome things about Reed is that professors will just indulge in your you know craziest ideas like even if it means that like there's no secondary literature out there even if it means like oh it's going to be really hard to write this like they'll Mm -hmm. they will go all in for you so 
never, never be afraid to just go after it. Even if it's, even if it seems daunting. Oh yeah. Some, some good inspirational moments to end on. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast and good luck to you and your partner in LA. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for being our guide on this heartfelt dive into the history of the queer outdoors. It's been a pleasure, and I hope LA is treating you right. And thank you as well to all of our listeners who took the time to tune into this episode. I hope you'll join us again to hear from more alumni and students about what it means to burn your draft. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janica. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member and class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast start by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.